that is, listen, that is what this whole series, um, it is about loving our community right where they're at. Because listen, people won't come to church until they know you care. It's not about a building. It's, listen, you, we could do all the right things right, but they're not even going to know that we exist and not even know that we care about them until we go and we show the love of God to them. And so the scripture we have been using kind of as the foundation for this series is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It is called the Great Commission, and it simply states this, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. This is the, the very core of, of uh, and I believe the foundational purpose and mission of a follower of Jesus and the church. Uh, I believe that, that this is why Jesus, it was one of his last final statements other than you're going to get the Holy Spirit, go wait for me, okay? Um, but this is one of his last final statements to his disciples. Listen, your job as followers, every single last one of us, not ones with titles like pastor or worship leader or kids leader or youth leader or anything like that. Every believer was given the task of going and making disciples, and, and, and what's great about that, and when, when you take it as a, a purpose and not just a job, and there's, two, there's a, two different mindsets, but when you take it as a purpose, you don't have to, it, it doesn't feel awkward or weird. It may at first because you're building a muscle of how to talk about Jesus to people, but it just becomes natural. Like I, I told people when I first got saved, like I was like the SWAT team, just like knocking doors down, like looking, like I was making ways to talk about Jesus which isn't a bad thing at some times, but like that was like my regular, like, you know, hey, what'd you have for dinner tonight? Hey, are you gonna eat the word of God? You know, like, it's just like, no, oh, that's weird. Don't make it weird. Don't, don't do that. Uh, and then you realize that you can like make it normal and bring it in because you're already weird enough to people. And, and, and people go, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to church, man. You want to come with me? Or what did you do this weekend? You know, and they start talking about all that they did. And you go, well, you know, I had some time with my family. I did yard work, da 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 And man, I really got my week started right with church. Man, why don't next, this Sunday, what are you doing? Why don't you come with me? You, you can't make them say yes. All you can do is present the opportunity. And I told you my personal, um, my personal story. My friend, Teresa, she asked me, for months and months and months to come to church with her. Like every week. Hey, you want to come to church with me? Nope. Hey, you want to come to church with me? Nope. And if she would have stopped at one week or two weeks, I would probably never gone to church. I would have never found my purpose. I would have never found my wife. I would have like, like there's a lot of things that I would not have found if my friend did not continue and some of you go, well, it gets really hard to continue to ask. Listen, find many different ways. You want, you want to know why I said yes? I said yes because I was annoyed. It wasn't because I had a life change and I was like, I need Jesus. I was annoyed. Like, fine, let's just get this over. You're obviously not going to stop asking until I say yes. So I will go. And I walked into church that Sunday. And, and so uh, I have a Catholic background, just so you guys know. So I, like I joke about this, but you know I, we would you know you play if you go into a Catholic church. There's a lot of cool things about Catholic church. Very reverent, very holy um, atmosphere. Some things that are you know as a young teenager who would go to Catholic church, I would I would play the game find the choir because they were never up front. Worship teams never up front. 
You know, it's always somewhere in the back or somewhere off to the side. Like, and so you hear all of these voices and you're like, find the choir. So, you know, you just look around. And then you find them. And it's like, oh, hey, there you are. Um, and then you get your exercise in. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, I'm not, listen, I, I can only joke because I grew up that way, okay? Um, and, and I'm an equal opportunist to make fun of. I'll make fun of evangelists uh, or evangelism or evangelical. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. I think that all denominations and all Christians have some weird quirk about them. And if we can't laugh about it, which we're going to talk about next week, that one of our core values is we've got to be able to have fun. We can't be sticks in the mud. Um, we've got to be able to enjoy this life. God has called us to enjoy this life. And, uh, and so um, it, I, when I walked in, there was a full band, drums on stage, electric guitar. And I'm like, like, seriously. And my friend, like, I kid you not, my friend looks at me and goes, Scott, you can clap. Like, it was, I was like, I was just, I was just flabbergasted by what church looked like. I was like, I like this. This is lively. This is exciting. And, and, and it just, it really took my whole mindset of what God and what church looked like, and it turned it upside down. And I believe that the foundational purpose is to go and to make disciples for Jesus and, and to show them this, this amazing life that God has given us, that, that if God has turned your life around, if God has given you hope and has poured love into you and grace and peace, then our job then, our goal, our purpose is to turn around and then to give it to somebody else. Uh, here at Freedom Church, we believe in four main key components. They're out on our flags. They're on our webpage. You can't miss uh, what we believe. And it's simply this, is that we believe it is our purpose to help every person know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. It is, it is to show up and be a part of the body, right? To hear the word of God, that's know God. To find freedom, we think our life groups are a great way to find freedom because you interact on an individual basis with people. You get to know people. Your, your insecurities and your struggles, you start to share with people. You start to build relationships that will be able to pray with one another. Uh, discover your purpose. We believe that you are to get into some way, shape, or form a serve team, a team that, that grows. And listen, some of you have purpose in this church and you don't even know it. You have a, you have a, you have a gift to give and, and you don't even know it yet. And so like the last two weeks we did a, a sign up. This week, those teams will be starting to uh, kind of take shape and form and you'll get a text message of, uh, of how to do that, where to sign up and where to go to look. And we may even have to have like a volunteer or a dream team meeting so that we can show everybody and, and all that. But listen, if you're like, I didn't sign up and I want to, listen, this isn't like a, 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 well, sorry, it's closed. You can't ever serve here. Listen, if you want to serve here and you're not, all you have to do is come talk to somebody. I don't care if it's me or Stephanie or if you see one of the other leaders that serves, a Sharice or a Eric or, a, you know, or, or, or anybody. Uh, the, you could, as you're walking into church, you could tell Deanne and Rodney, hey, I, I want to do what you're doing. And they'll be like, here, just stand here, say hi, hello, and smile. And they'll walk away. <laughs> you're on the team. <laughs> See you later. I'm going to go find my seat. Uh, but listen, we want you to, listen, I don't want to be a church where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I want people to fight. I want your job. Okay, you can have it. <laughs> listen, my goal is, I believe over the next year is to start to raise up a, a leadership team and, and even some people that will do what I'm doing right now. Some of you are going, oh God, please don't pick me. Some of you are probably going, I don't, I, yeah. And some of you may be going, I could do that. Man, I want, I want to grow that in people. 
Because I'm not the only one in this room that knows Jesus. I'm not the only one in this room that can read his word and, and, and go, God, what would you like the church to hear this week? And, and I don't want to be the only person doing announcements. And I, I, don't, I want to share the load, and I want our church to thrive together. And then we make a difference by changing our community, going doing things like with Kemper and, and doing things in our community like our serve day and uh, first Friday, going down there and loving on the kids and doing stuff like that. Today, I want to talk about uh, two more of our core values, core values seven and eight. Next week, we're going to end nine and ten. Seven and eight are this. We are risk takers, and we show honor. We are risk takers, and we show honor, okay? So those are the two that we're going to talk about today. I want to give you the definition of courage. Now, this is not Merriam-Webster's definition, um, but this is one that I truly, truly love. Courage is this. Courage is not the absence of fear. Rather, the judgment that something else is more important than fear. It's not the absence. See, a lot of people go like, oh man, they're so courageous. I wish I could be fear, uh, fearless like them. No, courageous people are full of fear and they do it anyways. They, they just, they go, there is something more important than the fear that I feel inside of me. Crazy people that jump out of planes. I think Hannah just did that a, a, a few months ago. Crazy people like her. Um, you know, that I guarantee she was probably scared. If she wasn't, I've got bigger questions. Like if you're just like, oh yeah, jumping out of a plane sounds amazing. Let's do it every day. Like, like, listen, I watch, I, I, I can watch it from the comfort of my seat where my feet are planted on the ground. I watched one guy jump out of a plane free fall without a, without a, 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 Parachute, that thing. I was going to call it a backpack. Um, (laughs) That's how much I don't want to jump out of a plane. He jumped out of it with no parachute. It was the the highest free fall. He jumped out of a plane, like 25,000 feet up in the air, without a parachute, into a net. Like, you're stupid. Like, (laughs) there's, like... That's not courageous to me. That's dumb. But, like, courageous people that actually have parachutes, that's cool, whatever. Like, at least you got a safety... Some people would say, like, people that, that, that have a, a thrill of riding motorcycles, you're, you're crazy for getting on two wheels. Some people, uh, you know, you look at race car drivers that go 200 miles an hour. Um, there's a lot of things that, that people go, why would you, you know, let's talk about, you know, the fact like 9-11, right? As we, as we honor and we remember this day uh, and, and the bravery and the sacrifice that men and women, that, that when, when, Planes are hitting buildings. Fire is shooting out of buildings and, 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 and people are screaming and chaos is all around them that it is in them to say, I'm going to run towards that. Firemen and women who were literally running up the stairs towards a building that would crumble. What would cause? Is it that they're fearless? No. I guarantee you each and every one of them was full of fear. But there was something that was far greater in them that said that that there is something greater than the fear that is inside of me that I have a purpose for. And if I can get one person to safety, if I can get one person's life to, to, to be taken care of and get out of the building, then that was all worth it. Following Jesus is not easy. So so my first point and 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 core value number seven is is that is we are risk takers. As Christians, as believers, we are to live courageous lives. We are to live beyond the fear that we feel inside of our life. What if people don't accept me? 
What if people don't like me? What if I lose friends? What if my family members turn on me? What, what, if, what if I lose my job because of my faith? What if? And the what ifs will hold you back your whole life if you play the what if game. So many times, so many times, I meet people that go, I wish I would have changed and done what I've done now 10 years ago. I wish I wouldn't have let the what ifs hold me back because the what ifs are the scariest thing that typically never come true. But they hold us. Risk involves challenging uncertainty and instituting change, right? Risk is challenging the uncertainty in our life because we like certainty. I don't know a person that doesn't go, well, I'll, I'll listen, I, I kind of like the status quo. I kind of like knowing how my day is gonna go. I like the schedule. I, I, I like knowing that, that you know, I'm not gonna just you know, face the uncertainty at every turn. We, we like certainty, but risk says we're going we're gonna to face the uncertain things in our life with bravery and courage. We are going to face and say, you know what? Life is about change. Life is about constantly challenging ourselves to be better. Life is about saying, how can I grow today? How can I be better today than I was yesterday? What's one thing that I can do today that I, that, that I can start today that, I, that maybe I didn't do so well yesterday? And it's about having grace on the bad days where, where you make mistakes and where you don't feel as adequate as you should be. Listen, all throughout the Bible, you read of people who risked it all to make much of God. Moses and his mom. We talk about Moses. We don't rarely talk about his mom. Think about it. She is having a baby in a, in a time of, uh, of life where the Pharaoh is killing male Jewish babies. She has her baby and she, she keeps him for a few months until he's too big to, to hide anymore. And then, and, and listen, I'm a parent, but I'm not a mom. But I can imagine every mom that, that, that has ever had a child to say, you know what? It's either my, my baby gets found in my house and murdered or I pack them in a wooden basket and I send them down the river. Could you imagine? Like that's the decision she has to make. There's nothing about, there's nothing certain in that decision. There's nothing that is comforting in that decision. Either keep my baby and lose it or lose my baby and maybe he keeps his life and, and maybe he doesn't. But you know what she does? She trusts God in the process. God, you have got him this far. And so you're, you're going to have your hand upon him and, 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 and the full circle aspect that, that when, when the Pharaoh's daughter finds him in the river and then she gets brought back into Pharaoh's uh, you know, home to raise her own child and is able to teach Moses their Jewish ways as he's also learning the Egyptian ways. You can't tell me that wasn't a risk. Abraham, who, who risked it all, literally left his, 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 his community, his family. God said, Abraham, we're going to go do something big. We're gonna, we're, you're, I'm going to make your ancestors as, as deep as the stars and as much as the sand. And he's like, I don't even have a kid yet. And he goes, when we get there, I'll show you. And God says, get up and go. And Abraham goes, where are we going? And he goes, when we get there, I'll show you. I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, it was, it was challenging enough to do what we did in, in leaving California, but at least we knew where we were going. Like, we knew. Like, we're going to Arkansas. 
Could you imagine God just wakes you up one day and says, hey, listen, Sean, he's probably the wrong person. He would be all for it. Um, (laughs) Sean, God would be like, Sean, we're we're leaving. Okay, cool. Sean wouldn't even ask where we're going. We're just like, well, you tell me where we're, tell me when we're stopping. You know, like that's the, (laughs) I could see Sean doing that. For the most of us though, we'd be like, God would be like, hey, sell everything and let's go. And you're like, whoa, can we make a five-year plan, God? Like sell everything? How about like sell most? How about I keep my house here just as a, as a, as a, as a landing spot? God tells Abraham, nope, you're going to go. And Abraham says, okay. The Bible is full of people. Daniel, David, Peter, Paul, Mary. Sounds like a 70s rock band. <laughs> Elijah. Elisha. Men and women of the Bible. And listen, here's the thing. We can, we can make this uh, about cute stories and flannel boards and, and, and all this and, and think that they are just some far-off storytelling that makes us feel good. But the reality is these were real people that were willing to change the world around them for the sake of the kingdom of God. Every day, people, listen, Gideon was hiding in the threshing floor where he shouldn't have been. And a angel of the Lord came and said, mighty warrior. Like that is a oxymoron. He's hiding from his enemy, doing a job that wasn't meant for that moment. And the, and the angel came and he said, mighty warrior. And you know, he was looking around going, well, I know I'm the only one in here. Who are you talking to? I'm a wimp. And, he, and, and listen, he, he pretty much told the angel that. He goes, what, who are you talking to? I'm the least of my family, and my family is the least of its clan, and its clan is the least of its people. So I know you're not talking about me. And God said, if you risk it, you'll see what I see. So God tells you today, if you risk your life in a proper kingdom mindset, you will see yourself the way that God sees you. So many times we're not willing to risk it because we put it all on ourselves. And the reality is, is when you risk it by yourself, there will always be more fear than courage. It would be easy to pass the buck and to say, God, choose somebody else. And matter of fact, in a lot of these stories, they try that. Noah, "Ah, you sure, God? (laughs) Never heard of rain. Moses, I got a stuttering issue, God. I don't talk very well. He said, okay, fine, I'll send, I'll send you your brother Aaron and he'll help be your mouthpiece. A lot of people try to get out of it when, when you realize that, that being a risk taker has power behind it, has purpose. Listen, you want to come to church and just do church, fine, so be it. If you want to come and be a part of a family that helps you find purpose so that you can change the world around and that way when you die, that little dash means something, that's what I'm about. I want your dash to mean something. I want them to look at that beginning date on your headstone and that end date on your headstone, and I want them to look at that dash and go, that man lived. That woman had some courage in her life. They fulfilled some purpose. Living for Jesus has the ultimate rewards, but you have to live with being a risk taker to see the rewards of God. It has to be more than something you go to and become someone you are. Listen, you can't just say, I go to church. You have to get to a place where you say, yeah, a, I am the church. I, 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 am the, I, I am the moving forward of a kingdom of God here in Camden. My, my friend group will only know Jesus if I live it out to them. I'm not gonna pawn it off on Deanne. Well, Deanne, you lived here longer. You probably know them better. So I'm just gonna sit back. I'm gonna be your pastor and you bring them to me. No, 
She knows people that I will probably never be able to minister to. And I know people that she'll never be able to minister to. And I said this last week, there are things that you walk through that are for a purpose. Even if it's your own mistake, you walk through a season of life that you caused. Guess what? God is in the kingdom using business. He's going to use your mistakes to better the kingdom. He's going to use your mistakes to grow you. He's going to use your challenges and your, and your struggles. And he's going to bring people to know him through your life. I can't do that. There's a lot of things and a lot of life that's been lived in between these four walls with these people here. And we each have these different stories and your story matters because your story is powerful. They could sit there and say all day long, ah, God, he's not a God of miracles. He, he, you know, that's just old school stories. But what they can't do is they can't say, well, Sean, how in the world are you paying your bills? You're going to school. You got a wife and like 30 kids. How are you doing this? Sean can look at them in the face and say, you know, that's a great question. I just know that God makes a way. I know that every time I need to put gas in my car to get to El Dorado to go to school, it's there. Every single time there needs to be food on the table, God makes a way. Living a risk-taking life has rewards. And I'm not saying, like, the more you risk, the more God's just going to come and be like, money from heaven. No. But can I tell you that even in the struggles, God will always take care of you. Even when you feel completely out of control and in the chaos, God is there working. You know, the, per, the beautiful picture of a duck, right? When everything seems like chaos underneath, God's forming this, this, this absolute, peaceful, wonderful purpose in your life. So I want to take you to the book of Luke. There's a story, and I'm going to bring it out of the message uh, translation. But the, the, the story, and, and you, most of you have probably heard it in some way, shape, or form, preach or, or read, um, but it's where the, the master has three servants, and he gives them all talents or money, and he says, I'm going to go away for a while and now invest my money, right? And he goes, and he gives each of them the same amount of money, and he goes away and conducts business in other towns. And the three of them are given time to invest their money appropriately for his business. And then he comes back. And he comes back and the three, uh, the three servants, they, they have to report what they have uh, invested and how their investment has grown. And the first two, the first one says, I have invested it in a financial institute and it has doubled. I have what you gave me $100, I made $200. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. And the second one says, man, I, I didn't do as good, but you know, I turned your $100 into 150 And he goes, I'll take it, that's profit. And then he gets to the third servant. And this is what the last servant says. He says, the next servant said, Master, here's your money, safe and sound. I kept it hidden in the cellar. To tell you the truth, I was a little afraid. I know you have high standards and hate sloppiness and don't suffer fools gladly. He said, you're right that I don't suffer fools gladly and you've acted the fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money in security so I would have gotten a little interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, take the money from him and give it to the servant who doubled my stake. And they said, but master, he already has double. And he said, and I love this line from the message translation, that's what I mean. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. 
What a great life lesson from this story. That God gives us this life to live. He trusts and invests your life, not with anybody else. There will never be another you. And I know that's corny and I know that's cheesy and, and it's something that like Walt Disney would probably have Jiminy Cricket say. But it's the reality. There is no other you. Once you live your life and, and you've uh, come and gone, there will be no other you. You have an opportunity to live your life to the fullest. And the first person says, man, I want to take my life and I want to invest it into as much as I can. And I want, listen, I want to get to heaven by, by just dragging my feet tired. And he goes, man, I have invested and invested well with my life. He says, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And then the second one says, you know, there were some fears in my life. There were some things that I, struggles that I, that kind of got me stopped and, and I sat around and I waited for, for, for somebody to give me direction. And, and man, I wish I wouldn't have wasted those two years, but you know what? Eventually I got going and, and look at the, the return on my investment. Like, yeah, I love that. And then the third person's like, yeah, you know, God, you gave me these talents. And I was afraid that nobody would like me. I, I, was, I was afraid that I wouldn't be the best in the room. I was afraid that if I spoke up and used my gifts and used my talents or, or spoke about my faith, that, that people would f uh, find me lame or, or I wouldn't have any friends. And so I, I, I decided that I would just hold on to my talents and hold on to the personality and the, and the calling you had in my life. And I would just hold on to it so that way I knew what I had, but I was afraid to share it with the world. God looks at him and says, you wasted very thing that I cannot give you back, which is your life and the time. Oh, you may have made it to heaven. Oh, you may believe in me. But that wasn't just the goal. I've said this before. If getting to heaven was the goal, the moment you said, I follow Jesus, it'd be like, poof, gone, you're up to heaven. Why give you opportunity to screw up after that, right? Like, <laughs> I trust in Jesus, go make mistakes. Like, no. If, if, if the goal was get to heaven, the moment you said, I trust, I thought, like, that would be a horrible way to try to grow a church. I'd stay sinners until, like, you're old. Because I don't want you leaving like that. Like, you can imagine every altar call, well, we lost another one to heaven. That sounds like a weird statement. Because you imagine, like, God dang it. Nursery needs more people. Keep, all the saved ones keep getting lost at, at the nursery. They love kids, and they love Jesus, and then, poof, up to heaven they go. No, the reason why is because you have a purpose here. Your people need you. And they don't need you to come in on Sunday mornings and raise your hand and worship God and, and, and live this amazing godly life away from them. They need what you have here taken to the streets. And is it scary? Absolutely. Can, there, can, there, can you operate within fear? Absolutely. Matter of fact, the Bible, you know, you've all heard this probably a thousand times. They make it memes and, and also, you know, it's encouraging words. You know, it's one of the few things. It's the, it's the one thing in the Bible, 365 times, a different variations do not fear. It's not that we don't have fear. It's that the, the love and the fear of God overwhelms all other fears in our life. And we go and we live it out to make an investment in the community we live in, in the friend groups we have, in the family that we're attached to, in the workplace, that we are risk takers. Risk your life and get more than you could ever dream of. Now listen, I could end it there and hoorah, let's go take on the world. But here's the reality. I know by even saying this, most people are not natural risk takers. Most people do not like 
that feeling. We run from it. We like the comfortable. I get it. But it is the passion for something that will cause us to risk the comfortable. I think most of the time the reason why we don't go all in for Jesus is because we're trying to fulfill a need from the church viewpoint. I'm a part of a church and this is what they expect me to do. Think about all the other things you're passionate about. Think about the things that like you get excited about. And, and, and think about what, like, what drives you to know more about it. It's because you have a passion. It's because like, you're like, oh, I want to. Like, think about like, when you get a new hobby and you just like, dump, jump all into it. And, and, and there are some crazy hobbies. You know, you know, I've seen, you know, listen, you watch Facebook. Everybody will tell you what their passion is. I've seen people with train passions. I've seen people with, you know, Star Wars passions. And, you know, like, like it doesn't matter what, everybody's got something. Like, look, I got a passion to collect, you know, um, Disneyland sipper cups. You can laugh at me all you want, okay? Um, listen, come to my house. You're like, you're thinking like a baby. Listen, I've got sipper cups. Okay, I've got a whole wall of them. And I'm proud of them, Okay. Now, I really can't do much with it other than to like, get on eBay and spend money, but like, hey, it's a passion, my, I, and I've passed it on to my kid. He's like, he'll come to me. He'll run in like, with my wife's phone and like, Dad, look at this one. It's on eBay. You know, it's, <laughs> where's your investment, Disney Super Cups? Music. I love playing music. Did I start out good? No. No. You know, you know what's sad about it is that so many people, and I started out on the bass, right? So most people will, will grab this and they'll think, oh, man, I want to be a rock star. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then they'll start, and they'll be like, this is horrible. It's making my finger hurt. I've got, like, these blisters. Um, I suck. I can't be in time. And they quit. Why? Because they're discouraged because of the failure that they feel. And if you can push through the failure, you'll find your passion. Don't be afraid to fail. Matter of fact, I would say embrace the fail. Don't make failure the centerpiece. Don't, don't make the fact that, that, oh man, I should have played this chord and it didn't sound that great. Then, then make, you gotta find the wins in your life that will continue to push through the failure. Don't make failure the centerpiece. Learn from your fa- failure so that they're not fatal. And, and, and I always, well, I've said it like this throughout my life is that if you're gonna fail, fail forward. If you're going to fail, fail forward. Because forward failure says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep moving this way. I'm going I'm I'm to keep driving towards, I'm going to drive through my failure and I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to uh, allow it to, to change me. I'm going to learn from it. Spiritual risk takers like other risk takers get rewarded Big. There's nothing greater than when you use your skill and your talent and your passion for Jesus and you see a friend come to know. Make that decision to follow him. Show up to church. You go, man, I was a part of seeing somebody's life eternally changed. Can I tell you, you can hear a thousand no's, but that one person comes with you to church and you're like, let's go. Let's go. I could, let, let's invite another one. Let's find another one. And I'm telling you, you, you have a friend come to life group and they go, wow, your people, they're not weird. <laughs> or maybe they say, wow, your people, they're weird, but I love them. <laughs> I'm at home. 
it's the things that make you go, oh man, I want to, I want, I want to, I want to strive to to get closer to God because I want people to, I want, I want more of my friends to know this. It's it's walking in on a Sunday and God's presence is 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 just moving in the middle of worship and you see hands raised and, and being in the cage. I look out a little bit more. I still see a bunch of lights and 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 but you know looking out today and, and in the middle of it, I just saw hands raised and I'm like that. That's what it's about. It's not about whether we sounded good. It's not about if we struggled during practice. It's not if we have it all together. It's not any of that. It's not if anybody will ever know our name. It is about you getting closer to Jesus and then wanting to share it with the rest of the world. That is what being a risk taker is. And he gave each and every one of you a talent and a, and a fulfillment and a purpose and a passion to go share it with the world. What is it in your life you need to be stretched in, get uncomfortable with, and allow God to challenge you in? And then go take that risk. Go take that risk. And listen, it's not just about spiritual. Sometimes God will use you in non-spiritual ways, to build the kingdom. Some of you have thought, man, I would like to start a business. But the fear of failure has held you back. And who knows that starting that business wouldn't be built on godly principles of running a business properly. And God blesses that. And, and, and you go in and, you, and you're, you're building kingdom with how you talk to people and how you treat people. Maybe you work with somebody and you work underneath somebody. And God says, you know what? Even when they get on your last nerve, I want you to build kingdom and I want you to be a risk taker. I want you to, I want you to do what only you can do to build their kingdom. My pastor in California used to tell the story of he was he's always been into boats, you know, so he always had a boat. And he said that he had a friend who loved boats but didn't have a boat. And he wanted a boat so badly. And so every time they would go out on the boat, he would treat our pastor's boat like it was his own. And he'd be out there after they use it and he'd be washing it and wiping it down and drying it and making sure it was taken care of. And he would, he would take care of his pastor's boat like it was his own. And that's the passion of how you deal with people. And eventually that risk, it turned in, he said, eventually he got his own boat. Now I'm not saying like, that's not, you know, prosperity preaching like, hey, if you want to go, you know, if you want a Mercedes, go wash a Mercedes five times. And listen, it's not how this works. I'm just saying it's interesting that when, when you take care of, when you treat, when you risk your life to take care of people, God rewards that. God rewards a heart that honors people, which leads me to our next point. And our last point is that we show honor. We show honor. I want to read you two scriptures. Um, first one is in Romans 14, 8. It says this, if we live it's to honor God. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For God bought you with a high price, Jesus Christ. So you must honor God with your body. The word honor means this, to regard or treat someone with admiration and respect. To regard or treat with honor. Everything we do as followers of Christ should be to honor God in. The way you talk. The the way you think. Like, stop and ask that question. And what I'm saying, is it honoring to God? Does it build or tear down? The way I think about things, the way I think about people, the way I think about myself, does it honor God? Can I, let me speak to those that maybe you don't speak it out, but you think it too much about negative. Listen, 
How dare, and, and, and don't take this in a judgmental way, but let me just challenge you with this. How dare you tear down the thing that God has created and called his, which is you. Why let the enemy let you believe that you are less than the very created person that God, that God says he formed you in your mother's womb, created with a purpose, created with a passion, created to live a life that will change lives. And here you are telling God that you're not good enough, that you're less than. And he's saying, no, son, no, daughter, I created you. Everything we do should show honor to God. Everything. So how we treat people, it should honor God. How I talk and how I talk to people and how I talk about myself, and it should honor God. What I watch should honor God. People ask, you know, you know well, what do you think about horror movies? First of all, I think most of them are lame. Um, secondly, we don't watch them in our house, not because we get scared, but because we want to honor God. Right, And so I'm not going to allow some movie to uh, create a, a crevice where evil can step into our lives. Especially with horror movies nowadays. Like it, you, it, The 80s were like just like cheesy, corny. You know, Now it's like, well, how do, how do we scare the ever-living daylights out of everybody? Well, let's literally make movies about demons and, and ghosts and, and, and about exorcism. Let, let, let's, let's take true stories and let's, let's, tell, let's make them even worse. And people go, well, I wonder why I've got this fear in my life. Well, maybe because you're inviting it in. Are we honoring God with what we watch? Are we honoring God with what we listen to? And it's not, this isn't like anti-secular music. This is, this is anti-anything that doesn't honor God. I think there's a lot of secular music. Loves, I love love songs. I love love love, love songs. I, I'm corny. I can say it. I admit it. I'm down with some good old love songs. Okay. It's, it's awesome. I'm the, I'm the weirdo that'll put them on and, you know, try to get my wife to dance in the kitchen. I can't dance, but I'll try to dance in the kitchen. I, I, you know, I, listen, I, I won't volunteer to put on a Hallmark movie, but I'll stop and watch one with her. Christmas is coming up. I'm going to be like fished into watching a whole bunch of them because they're just going to be on every TV in the house. Like wherever room she goes to, they're just going to follow her and we'll all watch them with her. And even though I make fun of them, listen, even though I make fun of them, and come on, man, how many know you can tell the plot of a Hallmark movie the moment you see it? Like, two seconds, right? That girl is dating that guy, but is going to end up with that guy because Santa Claus shows up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, end of movie. But for some reason, you'll still sit there like, okay, I won't put all guys out there like that, and you can take my man card if you think you, if you need to. But even at that, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll watch it with her. I may make fun of it at the beginning, but then after she hits me once or twice, I'll stop. <laughs> we honor with what we watch, what we listen to, what we wear. It's important that we know that, like, listen, people see us and we represent a holy God. And so, you know, it's, it's not, listen, obviously, I'm not saying you need to dress up in three-piece suits. Obviously. I don't believe in that, okay? They're stuffy and a little. Now, if you like three-piece suits, go for it. My wife loves to dress up. She looks beautiful all the time. She's fantastic. I'm jeans and T-shirt. Like, listen, if I could get rid of all button-ups, I would. My wife would not let me. It's Christmas, I get button-ups and sweaters. <laughs> she does not, well, that's not true. She started buying me T-shirts the last few Christmases. 
But can I tell you, like, if you look through my closet, most of my T-shirts also, and I'm not saying you need to do this either. I'm just telling you what I do, okay? I love representing God with my, with my clothes. Can I tell you that I get more compliments on two things, my tattoos and my T-shirts? I don't know what that says about my face, but uh, <laughs> nobody ever walks up to me and goes, man, you're a good-looking guy. But listen, we were out on Friday. Uh, Friday. We went up to this, uh, this thing that my wife wanted to go to, and Three times during Friday, I got stopped. And even people asking to take a picture of my T-shirt. It, just, it was one of my worship ones that said worship, and on the back it had this, uh, this kind of description of, of what it meant to worship. And, and, and multiple people stopped me and said, man, I really, you know. One guy even said, I've seen you now a couple times walk through here, and I just want, that is the coolest shirt. He didn't even, he was some old dude. He's just like, ah, my grandkids would love that. I'm like, I'm cool. Like, you know, and I'm, and I'm like a walking billboard for these companies. I'm like, artofhomage.com. I should get paid for these people. I should. Give me some more T-shirts. But listen, why do I wear them? Because, man, if I can start a conversation like that, then I want it. I want somebody to come up and go, what does that mean? What, what, is, what, is, what does your shirt say? Let me explain it to you. If you ever look for some good Christian t-shirts, I can point you to about five different uh, great, fashionable uh, websites if you, if you ever want to know. But listen, all, all of that to say is that we honor God with everything that we do. And so it's just a way of thought process. Am I honoring God with how I live, how I speak, how, what I watch, how, what I listen to, where I go, how, who I, how I treat people? In all that I do, do I show off admiration and respect that I have for God and how I live because of what he's done in me? And, and let me, and I'll end by, by wrapping this corner up and saying this, honoring God absolutely means honoring people. Let's not get it twisted. Oh, I can honor God and not people. No, you cannot. You cannot disrespect people and think that you're honoring God. Matter of fact, the Bible says it in, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus tells this story and says, if you come to church, I'll give it to you like modern day version. If you come to church and you have issues with people and you have ang anger against people and you have resentment against people, don't even try to worship me. You need to stop what you're doing and you need to go seek forgiveness because I can't receive your worship in the mindset because you're not honoring me by how you live. Those are my words. Look it up. That was my paraphrasing, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. Jesus says, listen, you have to lay down your gift of worship in front of me and go and honor and make things right and then come back and your worship will be received because it is done from a pure and holy place. How we treat people, how we honor people is absolutely important. We are called to honor our mothers and fathers. Pretty sure that's like a top 10. To love others as ourselves, Jesus said that's the second greatest commandment. To bear with one another, to pray with one another, to care for one another, to challenge and correct one another. See, the one another principle is done in honor, not in competition and not in gossiping. And Sharice, you can go ahead and come up and... My job is not to be better than you. My job is not to tear you down in gossip. My job and our job and our purpose as, as living life together is to build one another up. And so if I have to come alongside and say, hey, you know, Rodney, let's step it up as men. 
I'm going to challenge you as a husband. Then it's not to say, and this is how a lot of times we take it. Well, you're saying I'm not doing a good job. No, I'm saying there's better in you. And we're going to get it. We're going we're gonna to be the best version of ourselves that we can. And we're going to challenge and we're going to love one another. And we're going we're gonna to build one another and we're going to take care of one another. That's the, that's the goal of the body of Christ. So how do we show honor? Simple principles. We don't talk bad about, gossip, or drag people through the mud. We don't gossip, talk bad about, or drag people through the mud. You know, most relationship struggles, friendship struggles, or any other struggles that deal with people have to do with the fact that at some point, somebody decided to not, to, to, to keep opening their mouth when they shouldn't have. Come on, everybody. What's the, what's the old adage? If you ain't got nothing nice to say, why does that, why does it get so hard? Now let's take it a step forward. Pray for them. Keep your mouth shut, but pray for them. You want to see kingdom building? Don't, don't allow negative things to come out of your mouth. Don't speak down. Listen, even if you think they're, the, they're like dumber than rocks, you don't have to say it. I remember talking to a teenager one time and they said, I live in America, it's my right. It's your right to get socked in the face too by that person. You have the right to speak whatever you want in America, but is, is, it, is it godly? Because the Bible says not to. Well, yeah, but they're doing wrong and they're, they say they're a Christian. Who cares? Let God convict them, not you. You're not the Holy Spirit. Build life. And if they've invited you into their life, then you have an opportunity to say, hey, friend, let's talk life. Let's build each other up. And here's some things you're not doing well. But if they haven't invited you into your life, listen, it's like talking to a brick wall. And so the best thing that we can do for people is stop talking about them. Make a decision. Listen, can I tell you that like your anxiety about people would go through, like would just plummet when you think I'm not going to talk and think negative about people. I'm only going to build them up. Could you imagine? Listen, I challenge you this week. <laughs> Some of you are going, listen, I don't know. I'm going to have to go home and take a nap. <laughs> You're going to make naps more regular so that you don't it, it, it see people, right? Let me challenge you this week. Don't say anything negative to anybody. Don't say anything negative about somebody to anybody else. Only build people up this week. See if it doesn't change you and change how you interact with people. So we don't talk bad. We don't gossip. The other thing we can do is we give positions the honor and respect they are due. Now, Pastor Scott, you done done it. Okay, listen. There's a lot of stupid people that are leaders. I'm not disagreeing. Can I tell you what the Bible says, though? It says, whether you agree with them or not, you respect them. The Bible says, honor those where honor is given. You may not agree with our president and our government right now. But from a biblical standpoint, you have not just a, 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 a well, you should do. It is an obligation from biblical standpoints. You cannot say, God bless America, and then talk bad about the position of leadership. You can disagree, 
You can disagree all day long and you can share your, 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 your feelings and you can even share your concerns. But the moment it becomes personal where you are tearing people down, you are wrong. You're wrong. Hey, let me go a step further. I've been wrong. I've talked bad about our president as a person. I have. I have my personal opinions of him. But as a pastor, I should be praying for him. But he doesn't line up with your belief systems, pastor. It doesn't matter. What if the prayer was God do something so radical in his life that he changes and in the middle of his presidency, he would see you for who you are and then he would turn from his wicked ways and he would see and live for you. What if that happened? Well, it's, 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 it's government, it's politics. That'll never happen. It'll never happen because the church doesn't believe it could happen. Because the church isn't praying for that. Well, half of American churches are really this. Can I tell you what half American churches are praying for? God, that you would take that evil person out from his position of power. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It says pray for those in leadership. Your boss that you don't think knows what they're doing, pray for them. Here's another challenge for those that are, that are underneath leadership that maybe you don't like the, your boss. Serve them. Hey, how can I, how, what can I do this week to make your job better? God says he honors those who honor leaders. Not just biblical leaders. Put your biblical principles into practice. Pray, pray, pray. Can I tell you the biggest thing we can do is pray for people. God cares about people. We can all agree with that, right? Amen? God cares about people. That's the easy say when it comes to honor. The hard part is this, is that by doing, understanding that, is that he also calls you to care. The whole following Jesus thing is about people. It's about loving people, caring for people showing people an eternal value in their life and how we live and how we honor them and being risk takers to live it out there, not just in here. Will you pray with me? I just wonder, maybe there's somebody in this room that says, man, you know, that some of that hit, hit home. Maybe you're like, I really need to step out and start to be a risk taker in my life, spiritually, Mentally, physically, some of, listen, I'll be the first one to raise my hand when it comes to physically. I keep telling myself, next week, I'm gonna start working out. It's funny how next week never comes. Part of it is, I don't wanna go to a gym because I'm afraid. Oh, look at that out of shape, middle-aged man. Oh, men don't think like that. Yes, they do, listen. I'm A-shape, not in-shape. I'm afraid. What if I don't lift as much as I should in front of these guys? So I put it off so that I feel like I'm working on a goal, but I'm really not. And some of us, spiritually, we do that. We go, oh, I'm gonna get closer to God next week. Oh, can't start on a Wednesday. Gotta wait till Monday. We all know that's part of the principles. And I'm telling you, stop putting off what you need to be doing and take a risk and step out in every aspect of your life, spiritually, mentally, physically, that we would be risk takers.
Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, man, that's, I need prayer to help me take that step of being a risk taker in my life. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Can you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Amen. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. He sees you. He sees you. It doesn't matter about anybody. God sees you, and he wants to pour that into you. And so, God, I pray for those that raise their hand that, that want, man, I want to step out in my life, and I don't want to live life and get to the end of it and go, I wish I would have. I wish. I wish I wouldn't have let the what ifs speak into my head. I wish I wouldn't have let the negative thoughts overwhelm me. I wish I would have been more stepped out in my life, in my faith, and in, in, in my the way that I thought, and the way that I dealt with people, and in, in the way that I worked. I wish I was a risk taker. Today, God, I pray boldness over our people to step out in their faith and to take risk and to love you in ways that nobody else maybe is. God, to love their community the way nobody else is, to, to be the hardest worker at their workplace. God, to, to dream dreams. And not just to dream dreams and put them on a shelf, but God, to dream dreams and go, you know what, even if I fail, I'm going to step out and do it. God, that we would choose to live life to the best of our ability so that we would show glory and honor to you. God, I pray. God, first and foremost, forgive me. Forgive me for how I spoke about leaders. Forgive me about how I spoke about people uh, before. God, I want to show honor to people. I want to be a church that when we speak of people, we show honor to them. God, when we speak about community, we speak honor over them. God, that we would be a people that honors people, honors authority, honors leaders, honors other churches, God, that we would show honor and love and purpose in our life. And that, God, if we don't have anything nice to say and if we don't have an invitation to be in their life, that, God, that we would keep our mouth shut and we would pray for them. Father, we would know when we need to speak and when not to. When we need to step out and, and show off your goodness and when we need to step back and allow you to do what only you can do. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We give you honor and glory. And I pray opportunity this week for each and every one of us to show off your goodness to the world around us. God, I pray for the tithe that we take in, God, that it would go and benefit your kingdom, that it would build a kingdom, that it would change our community. We love you, Jesus. We thank you in your name we pray. Amen.